Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. John chapter 20 takes place on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Day. I'm going to start in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because I have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Mary must have felt like her whole world had been turned upside down. Every hope that she had was dashed to the ground and crushed. The man who had showed her what true love was was dead. She's so distraught over the events of what just happened over the past previous three days that Jesus was literally right in front of her and she couldn't see him. We've all been through stuff like that. Maybe tonight, even in this atmosphere of the presence of the Holy Spirit, there might be some of us in this room that you pretty much sat through it like a spectator because you're so, you're so wound up and so bound up in whatever is going on in your life right now. And we understand that. We sympathize with you. We pray, though, that you'd hear his voice just like she heard his voice. See, when she saw this person, she didn't realize who it was until he began to speak. And I pray that you hear that same voice and recognize that he's there and right there with you. We've all been through these situations where you feel like God was nowhere to be found. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. You get a report about a life-threatening illness. Maybe it's the loss of a career with all the security that went along with it. Maybe it's a traumatic end of a relationship. Yet in the midst of it all, if we look close enough and listen, we realize that he's with us all the time. If we listen on the inside, we may hear, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We're talking about tough times. We're talking about a tougher God. And I tell you from personal experience, just like so many of us here can get up here and testify tonight, that if we'll lock arms with God and keep our eyes on him, we will never come through a trial without learning some important lesson. I, I look at it this way. I don't know if you hang around here, if you've hung around here for a while, you've heard me say stuff like this before. If I'm going to go through something, I want to at least come out of it with some gold. I want to at least come out of it with some kind of wisdom that I didn't have before. I want to at least come out of it changed. And I mean changed good, not changed bad. 
most of the time we come in contact with people, we go through things ourselves, and, and, and people change. But they don't change for the good. They change for the bad. They become bitter. They become a heart. They withdraw from, from church. They, 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 don't want to be, they don't want to be around Christians. They don't want to listen to teaching. They don't want to read the word. It's the worst kind of change that can possibly happen. And I think to myself, my God, if we could just restore back to the church, I mean the church in general, if we could just restore back to the church the people that the enemy has been successful in picking off throughout the decades, my God, what a force. What a force we'd have here in Ocean County, Monmouth County, and surrounding areas. My Lord, if we could just recoup those that have left because of offenses, those who have, have, have isolated themselves. Terrible thing. But if we'll keep our eyes on God, if we will stay in faith and understand that he's with us, he's not forsaking us, and, and, and just because he's going to bring you through something doesn't mean that he caused it to begin with. I want to make that clear. Jesus was very, very crystal clear about this. He said, the thief comes to rob, kill, destroy. He said, I've come that they, us, would have life and have it more abundantly. In original language, superabundance. It's, it's right there, clear, black and white. Well, in his case, red and white. <laughs> James chapter 1 puts it this way. My brother, starting in verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You, you, you know, I, I can't help but notice this. You, you, you see that he says fall into various trials? He's not talking about the ones that we walk into on our own willpower. Like, you know, I'm going for this. Nah, and your spirit on the inside is going, no, don't do it, don't do it. Nah, I'm going for this, I'm going for this. And then after it blows up in our faces, it's like, God, how did you let this happen to me? My brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Pastor, how, how did God let this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? Honey, it's not happening to you. It's coming for your faith. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What, what are we talking about? If I'm going to go through a trial, if I'm going to endure an attack, I want to come up on the other side with something in my hand. I want to come up with something that I can say, man, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, the whole bit, but you know what? I'm good now. I've learned some things. I'll never have to face that giant again. See, it got quiet there. The message translation puts it this way. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that you're under pressure. Your faith life is forced into the open and show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature. See, that's the real translation of that word perfect. So that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Christian author Warren Wiersbe, a quote that I, I just, just jumped out at me, if we see only the problems, we'll be defeated. But if we see the possibilities in the problem, we can have the victory. Look, you're going to go through things. 
just it's the way it is. We're on, we're on this earth. We're in this life. As long as we're breathing in this life, we're on this, we're going to go through things. We might as well learn something from it. Amen? Amen? Now, I say the most important lesson that I've learned is to trust God in every circumstance. Lots of times we go through different trials and following God's plan seems like it doesn't make any sense at all. Yet God is always in the middle of our battles and he'll never leave us. So, starting tonight, in these next 15 minutes, I'm going to introduce you to four things that God wants to say to us to remind us while we're going through. While we're going through. Now, the speed and the quality of how you go through is up to you and me, not up to God. You recognize that it was never God's will for the, for the Israelites to take 40 years to get from the Red Sea to the Promised Land? 40 years. When we used to drive across country to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, when, when our children were in Bible school, and we'd go out there to visit them and stuff, and I would dread going through Pennsylvania. If any of you come from Pennsylvania, <laughs> forgive me, I'm sorry, but Pennsylvania is the natural equivalent to purgatory. Because <laughs> you need prayers to get through it. It's like, dear God, and we would swear, but did they extend this state every time we went through it? It seemed like the last time it didn't take this long. And just, just we get, please, God, let me fall asleep on somebody else's driving so I can wake up in West Virginia and just get out of this God-forsaken state. I swore one time, I swore, I said, they must have taken part of West Virginia or Ohio and added it on the end of Pennsylvania and made it longer because it wasn't this long the last time we came through. You determine how you're going to go through something. And honestly, you determine whether you're going to go through it or whether you're going to stay in it for the rest of your life. There's so many of us that just get stuck in something and we just keep rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it. And my God, do we not realize that every time we talk about that same thing, that monster gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You get to the point sometimes you don't even want to talk about stuff. So, this message that I'm starting tonight, probably extend at least till next week, if not further, is going to cover four expressions of God's love when you're going through something, when you're in the midst of the battle. Now, I'm assuming you came here tonight to learn some of these things, right? Yeah? Okay. Number one, while we're in the midst of the battle, and while we're at that most difficult point, God says, I'll strengthen you. God, uh, can I have a little bit less strength and, and more mercy get me out of this thing? I'll strengthen you. Now, strengthen me means I'm still going to be in it for some while. See, if he was going to rescue me like we sang tonight, I wouldn't need that much strength but he's going to strengthen us. Why? Because there's some things that you and I only learn by going in the midst of the fire, by just getting in that pressure. You know, the Bible even talks about Jesus. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the New Testament says about Jesus that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Could you imagine that? Now, we know it's talking about his human side. You know, it wasn't easy for him to bear up under that pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane especially when he's, already, when he's already had 
a path that would have brought him back to heaven without going through the cross already presented to him. You remember the Mount of Transfiguration. How many remember that incident in the Gospels? It talks about the Mount of Transfiguration where, where Jesus takes uh, Peter and John and they go up to a mountain. They go up and climb this mountain. And at some point at, at, on their journey up this mountain, they're not on a natural mountain anymore. They started out on a natural mountain. But at some point, Peter and John turn around. All of a sudden, Jesus is not, doesn't, he's not dressed the way he was. It said his garments were glistening white. And they're in an atmosphere where, whoa, what, something, where, how, where did we step out of the natural and stepped into the realm of the spirit? And as they're there, you know, it gets kind of awkward and uncomfortable. And Peter wants to build a shrine so, you know, you can bring people up there and charge them. And, uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the voice of God comes out of heaven and says, this is my beloved son. Obey him. Do what he says. And, and who meets them? Moses and Elijah. Now, we know this can't be a natural experience on a natural mountain because Moses didn't make it to the promised land. We know this can't be a natural thing because Elijah was taken up to heaven with chariots of fire. So someplace in that mountain, someplace in your experience, someplace in your hardship, would you raise it up, please? People are freezing over here. I'm going to have to have a healing service at the end of the night. <laughs> so listen to me, and listen to me, please, very closely. Somewhere on that mountain, if you keep your heart just locked into God, someplace on that mountain, you're going to encounter the majestic, resurrected, supernatural Jesus Christ. You just, keep, you just keep walking through. You just keep pressing on. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other. You just keep refusing to doubt. You just keep refusing to complain and mutter and, and grumble and all this other kind of stuff. You just keep refusing to do that. At some point in your experience, you're going to step out of the natural and you're going to step into the spirit. And that's when you find strength. Why is it that we look for the strength that can only come from God that's going to really help us in natural places? Why is it that so many of us who are going through hardship, we'd rather hang around with three or four different human beings who are just as flawed as you are, maybe more, than to, than to just, just put a stake in the ground and say, no, no, I, I don't care if it's just me and God. I'm going to stay in God's face. I'm going to get into the word. I'm going to allow him to speak to me and just stay there with him. Instead of trying to seek strength from natural things. Instead of trying to seek strength from, from other human beings, it's not going to work. Isaiah 41.10, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Yeah. Now, that's not talking about the right hand of God. That's talking about a person. Who is the right hand of God? Jesus. Jesus. Isaiah 43.2. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. These are the promises we have. When? When, when times are good? No, for when times are, are, are troubled. When you're in the midst of the battle. When you feel like you're losing your mind. When you feel like you don't know which way is up anymore. 
I'm not up here to talk about negative things, but I am up here to talk about reality. And the reality of life, even as a Christian, sometimes because we're Christians, the reality of life is we have a target on our back. And and if you don't know that, and you haven't found that out yet, you probably think it's people that are doing things to you. And it's not. We have an enemy. That's the reality of life on earth. And that enemy hates us because we remind him of the Father. Remember, he made us in his image and his likeness. And so we're just natural targets. I'll strengthen you. Paul the Apostle was a man that was subject to constant stress and persecution. His ministry to the Roman Empire required of him to walk and travel thousands of miles. He faced constant danger. During his last imprisonment, as he's facing, he thinks he's facing execution, he writes this to Timothy. I love this scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 16. He's talking about a time when he was under heavy persecution and, and trial. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. You ever been in a position like that? Where you feel like everybody's abandoned you? Everybody that said, yeah, I'll be there. I got your back. Yeah, well, it's not my back I'm worried about. You know. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, then he throws this in. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. What's he saying here? So what's the worst that can happen? God will preserve your spirit. God will preserve you. That even if, even if you get to the place where it takes you out, he's preserved you for his heavenly kingdom. He hasn't lost you along the way. You didn't give up along the way. You didn't throw in the towel and say, this stuff doesn't work. I don't believe in it anymore. Now, we're not sure if Paul's referring to the devil when he says he delivered me out of the mouth of the lion because, you know, they did throw Christians to lions back then. So we don't know if this is literal, but one way or the other, Paul says, I got delivered. He rescued me. He pulled me out of the jaws of a lion and allowed him to go and finish his ministry. Jesus Christ himself is with us to strengthen us and to equip us for all adversity. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Three times, this is Paul writing this, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, here's, here's the key here, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Have you learned that lesson yet? Have you learned? I think that lesson comes hardest to us guys because we think, no, I I got this. Uh, No, I got this. You know, people used to say to me, you know, when I was younger, you know, God gave you these big shoulders to carry all that stuff. No, no. He gave me those big shoulders because they look good. <laughs> Had nothing to do with the battle. And the bigger we have shoulders, the more in the natural we think we're going to be able to. I could do this. I could do this. No. 
the, the quicker we learn that we can't, the more strength that we'll find from him. And the faster we'll persevere. Amen. He speaks to us even tonight, even as he spoke to Paul. His strength is perfected in our weaknesses. It's in the areas where we think we're completely incapable, ill-equipped, damaged, that he uses us the most powerfully. I think about my son, Michael. When he was in elementary school, he would freak out if he was called on to read anything. He um, just would be terrified to read anything in public, even at home, if we were sitting around and we were maybe having some kind of a family devotion, stuff like this. He would just panic. And I thought to myself, this is going to really hinder him in the future because even, even back then when he was a child, we knew in our hearts that God had a, a specific call in his life, especially when the enemy tried to uh, strangle the life out of him when he was an infant, almost died on us a couple of times. I thought to myself, this is not, this isn't usual. This, the enemy must, you know, see, you got to understand something about the devil. I don't like to talk about him too much because he's not worth talking about. But, but Paul said we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices, so we do have to talk about it once in a while. You see, the enemy doesn't know everything. He knows some things. He can't see completely into the future, but he can see at some point. And you see, he recognizes when the hand of God is upon an individual, and so he'll usually go after them at a very young age. Same thing with Moses, right? Moses tried to kill all the infants. They tried to kill all the infants in Bethlehem. You see, because if the devil can wipe you out in the early years, he won't have to deal with you in the, in the, in the, in the mature years. And so although we didn't know how, what kind of call our son was, was actually being assigned by God as a child, we recognized there was some kind of call there. So the enemy would try to strangle the life out of him. And thank God that the Lord rescued him. Thank God that he actually, the things that he was the weakest in, talking in front of a crowd, God then puts him in front of crowds to sing and, and then eventually began to preach here in the church and did a phenomenal job preaching here. And I would sit there or listen to it and say to myself, my God, this is the one who would freak out if he had to read one verse in front of his class. Now, what am I saying? Am I bragging on Michael? No, I'm not bragging on Michael. If you think that, you're thinking in the natural. What I'm bragging on is this verse here. For when we're weak, that's when we're strong. And I wonder how many, how many of us might be sitting here tonight that you've, you've grown comfortable in your weakness, but it's never brought you to the place of strength. Because you see, in the areas that you're weak and you recognize you're weak are the areas that you're going to have to press in and trust God. It would have been really easy for Paul to say, you know what, I'm done with this preaching. Now, if you don't know the context of this, some people say that Paul's talking about a physical illness. No, he's not. See, the Bible translates itself and the Bible interprets itself. When the Bible speaks about a thorn in the flesh, it has nothing to do with a physical ailment. It has all to do with spiritual warfare. Now, in the Old Testament, every time in the Old Testament, go look it up, I challenge you, every time in the Old Testament that they refer to a thorn in the flesh, they're talking about one of the nations around Israel that will come to try to destroy them. And it was a habitual thing. 
You, know, you think about the book of Gideon. Gideon, it says in Gideon's time that every time the harvest time came in, when it was time for them to gather the harvest from the land, the uh, whateverites that were around them would come, and during that specific season, in the harvest season, they wouldn't come when the plants were just being, uh, when the seed was being sown. They would wait till the harvest was coming in, and they would swoop down and take that harvest. We have an enemy. And sometimes we have to press through some things, especially in the areas where we recognize we're weak. I was listening to Joyce Myers, and we're going to be done in a few minutes here. I was listening to Joyce Myers the other day. He was on the treadmill and stuff, and the only way I'm going to get on a treadmill is if I can get there and concentrate on something that makes me forget that I'm actually... <laughs> and she's usually good like that. She gets me caught up in her teaching, and I'm good, you know, or a movie or something like that, so... So I'm listening to her, and she's talking about fear. And I've heard her say this before, but it just hit me different this time. And she said, if there's areas in your life where you're just gripped with fear, and it involves you having to do something, then just do it afraid. I said, wow, what a concept. But what do we do sometimes? Many of us, many of us, not all, but some of us, when we recognize, oh, instead of giving God the opportunity to prove himself like he did to Paul, what we do is we back off. Now, it would have been easy for Paul to back off. Paul had accomplished a lot by the time he wrote this. Now, Paul's thorn in the flesh was not some eye disease with pus running down his face like people have taught. It wasn't some kind of physical condition in his body. Paul's thorn in the flesh that he's asking God to get rid of was persecution. If you read the book of Acts, you see that in almost every city and every village that he went to, you see the same exact pattern. Why? Because there is amongst the kingdom of darkness uh, entities called familiar spirits. And familiar spirits operate just that way. They are familiar with your life. They are familiar with your family for generations. And so they will come and try to uh, resurrect behavior from generations in the past. And so with, with Paul, in Paul's case, these familiar spirits would follow him from city to city, from village to village. And when he first got there, he would have tremendous success. Go read the book of Acts. The whole, they would say the whole city came out to hear him preach. And then a week later, they want to stone him to death. Riots would break out. He'd have to flee. In one case, they stone him to death, literally stone him to death, throw him outside the city. The disciples come out, pray over him. He raises from the dead, and he runs right back in the same city because he cared for the people. And so, see, sometimes you and I, when we recognize we're dealing with, wow, this is going different tonight. When we recognize that we're dealing with, uh, what do you call it, like chronic um, cyclical problems, like you're like, what's going on? I mean, I just dealt with this like six months ago. And now I'm going through this again. It's probably that, a, a spirit that's involved. And I don't mean to spook anybody here tonight. Uh, it's probably, there's a root there. And, and again, you may have to press through some things. In our family, it was anxiety, panic, uh, these type of things, a lot of uh, physical illnesses. And so in our generation, even my cousin here, um, we've had to press through some things. There's some things we've had to do afraid because the, the uh, alternate or the alternative is to just dry up and die and never come out of the house again. There's some of you here that know exactly what I'm talking about tonight because you're going through that right now. 
And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that that thing gets broken off of you. But you see, sometimes you have to, I hate to use this word, but sometimes you even have to provoke it. Say, okay, yeah, no, I'm doing it. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to make you panic. I'm going to make you vomit. I'm going to make you have headaches. I'm going to make you, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not. Because the greater one lives on the inside of me. And greater is he that's in me than he that's out in the world. And but sometimes, but sometimes and you're saying that, but you still may be experiencing fear on the inside. That's okay. You've already established your faith. You've already said what you're believing. You have already, you have already established the boundaries of how this is going to happen. So to you who are going through that thing, do what you're going to do and keep doing it, even if you've got to do it afraid. Because someday you're going to realize you're doing it, and someday you're going to wake up and go, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. Are you listening to me? Now, that's not trained behavior. That's spiritual warfare. You are elevating and exalting God's ability above the ability of the enemy of your soul. Are you listening to me? Uh, listen, we've got to stop. You've got to come up and take the offering. Or, uh, you have to say No, you have to say anything. Listen, you got your offerings ready? If you don't, make sure you do. <laughs> and uh, why don't you stand up? We'll be dismissed, and then the ushers will collect the offering back there at the door. Did you get blessed tonight? Yes. Glad you came out? Yes. All right, good. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for the presence. Father, we thank you for your manifested presence. Lord, we know you're with us always. It's not like you just showed up tonight for the first time. You're always with us. But, Father, there are times when you manifest your presence. And we thank you that you've done that tonight. Lord, I know in my heart there's people that have gotten set free here tonight. It started with that song, Father. And just put it into motion. You have set us free. You have rescued us. And I thank you, Father, that the word of God that's gone forth tonight is powerful. It is the power of God unto salvation. And so we bless you tonight. We thank you. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the power that's on your word. Thank you for people here tonight with open ears, ears to hear, eyes to see what you desire to do in our lives. I bless you. I thank you for this tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.